0: Negative interest rates are changing the world. An interest rate is the price of capital, and for the first few thousand years of finance, that price was positive. In other words, if you wanted access to capital, you would have to pay for it, because capital was scarce and had alternative uses. Negative interest rates invert this entirely. Essentially, a negative interest rate says that capital is overabundant and therefore holding it comes at a price. In a negative interest rate environment, capital is a liability rather than an asset. It is debatable whether negative interest rates would ever occur in a hypothetical free market system. Nevertheless, negative interest rates are now present in Japan and in many Eurozone countries, both as a matter of policy and due to the extreme supply of capital relative to the demand for capital. While we don't know if the United States will employ a negative interest rate policy of its own, it is prudent to acknowledge that possibility. There is a chance we are at the beginning of a major paradigm shift in global finance and monetary policy. We need to at least consider what that shift would look like for our economy in general and our portfolios in particular. To that end, Laura is going to ask me a few questions about negative interest rates. Laura, what do you have for us today?
1: Thanks, Matt. Before we go further in the discussion, could you provide some clarification on the difference between nominal negative interest rates and real negative interest rates?
0: This is a great question and is extremely important. A nominal interest rate is the face value interest rate. If a bank extends a business loan to you at, say, 4%, the nominal interest rate is 4%. The real interest rate is the nominal interest rate minus the rate of inflation as calculated by the Consumer Price Index. Suppose that a bank extends a business loan to you at 4% interest, but the inflation rate is 3%. That would mean that the effective or real interest rate is only 1% because inflation is eroding the cost of your fixed rate debt. But what if the inflation rate was 5% and you have a loan at 4%? That would mean that the real interest rate was actually negative. In this case, negative 1%. Negative real interest rates are important, but they're not particularly new. What is new are nominal negative interest rates which means that the actual stated interest rate is negative, not just the inflation-adjusted interest rate. When we discuss negative interest rates for the rest of this episode, we'll be talking about negative nominal interest rates.
1: That definitely makes sense. Could you elaborate more on the history of negative interest rates?
0: Sure. Switzerland used negative interest rates of a kind in the 1970s when the Swiss franc appreciated significantly against the U.S. dollar. This hurt Swiss exporters, so in an effort to increase the circulation of francs, the Swiss government enacted deposit penalties against non-residents who held francs at banks. This equates to a negative interest rate in a limited circumstance, but it did not apply to domestic holders of francs, and the Swiss didn't issue bonds with negative yield. Then in 2009, the Central Bank of Sweden pushed the overnight deposit rate to negative 0.25%, which is the return Swedish banks receive for holding deposits within the central bank system. In 2014, the European Central Bank dropped its deposit facility rate into negative territory for the first time. The deposit facility rate is the interest rate that the ECB charges commercial banks to hold excess reserves at the ECB. This is roughly the European equivalent of the IOER, the Interest Rate on Excess Reserves held at the Federal Reserve, which sets the federal fund's interbank lending rate by default. Since 2014, many European countries have also issued negative interest-bearing bonds. In 2016, The Bank of Japan followed the ECB into negative territory, and short-term bond yields on Japanese government debt went negative as well. As of today, about 16% of the entire world's economy operates in an environment of negative interest rates of one sort or another.
1: Interesting, so you've definitely established that the central banks are issuing Uh, negative interest rate bonds but why would an investor buy a negative rate bond
0: that is a great question Uh, the total value of outstanding bonds carrying negative yields exceeded about 10 trillion dollars at the beginning of 2020 so there is certainly a market for them however surprising that may be there could be many explanations for why an investor might purchase a negative rate bond The first is that while an investor may be losing money on the yield, they could actually make a capital gain on the unit price of the bond. A great example of this comes from Austria. In the first half of 2019, the unit price of an Austrian 50-year bond rose by more than 20%, even though the bond carried a negative 0.02% yield. So even though an investor who owns these bonds is losing money on the yield, They made enough on the unit price appreciation to cover the difference and more this of course begs the question as to why the market is bidding up the price of these negative rate bonds this is a tough question to answer and i imagine that it's due to a variety of factors the first is that frankly bond managers have to put their money somewhere managers of large investment funds particularly in the public sector often have mandates about what they can and cannot invest in. It may be the case that fund managers have little choice other than to put their money into negative yielding bonds, which transforms the government bond market from a place to earn low risk income into a place for speculative trading. I also suspect that another variable driving up the unit price of bonds is the knowledge that central banks are ready to purchase these bonds if needed. Which makes bond managers more willing to pay a premium for them, even when they have a negative yield. For example, the Bank of Japan is averaging about $730 billion worth of Japanese government bond purchases a year, even though the entire yield curve for Japanese debt is negative. The Bank of Japan now owns about 43% of the entire Japanese bond market, which includes negative rate debt. In short, There is a market for these bonds because bond managers often have no choice but to buy them and central banks act as a backstop that effectively creates a price floor. The result is that bonds are traded based on expected appreciation rather than yield, which has increased the speculative nature of the bond market.
1: What is the impact of negative rates for banks, the Federal Reserve, corporations, and households And how are those effects different for those different entities?
0: Negative rates on commercial loans will almost certainly never be extended to households or corporations. If they were, these loans would be cash flow negative assets by default and weaken the bank's balance sheet. Likewise, households will probably not see negative interest rates on their checking and savings accounts anytime soon. This is because individuals would likely just take their cash out of the banks and store it at home. Corporations, however, may actually see negative rates on their deposit accounts because corporations often hold cash balances at banks that are too large to store anywhere else. In a working paper published through the European Central Bank in June 2019, Carlo Altavia, Lorenzo Berlon, Marosuntia Gianetti, and Sarah Holton found that firms with large cash holdings at European banks often invested their excess cash into tangible assets instead of keeping liquidity at the banks to earn negative interest. They concluded that, in this way, negative rates could spur private sector investment. A rebuttal to this argument might be that the quality of investment under these circumstances would likely be suboptimal. The effect of negative rates on commercial banks and the Federal Reserve System is even more interesting. As of now, the Fed sets the interbank lending rate by paying interest on the excess reserves held at the Fed. If the interbank lending rate goes negative, as it has in Europe, banks are heavily incentivized to increase private sector lending as much as possible because their excess reserves have become cash flow negative. That of course assumes that there are corporations willing to borrow, which is not always the case when the economy slumps and corporate balance sheets are under pressure. On the other side, excess reserves are a liability for the Federal Reserve when the interest rate is positive, but they actually become a source of income for the Fed if rates are negative. In other words, negative interest rates invert the entire reserve system as it stands today. As far as interbank lending goes, it's hard to imagine that banks would lend to each other at negative rates, which may eliminate the federal funds rate as a relevant policy tool. Banks in the need of liquidity might increasingly go directly to the discount window and borrow directly from the Fed itself. Lastly, commercial banks often hold large numbers of government bonds as assets. If these bonds have negative yields, It could severely damage bank balance sheets and force banks to look for positive yield and other types of assets. In short, negative rates change the commercial banking world significantly and will, by extension, probably have a major impact on asset markets if they become the norm in the United States.
1: Are negative rates inflationary or deflationary?
0: It remains to be seen definitively because negative rates are still so new, but I think whether negative rates are inflationary or deflationary is largely a matter of what you're talking about specifically. For assets, I see negative rates as having a relatively inflationary effect. Negative rates put downward pressure on borrowing costs, which fuels credit expansion, which by extension can drive up asset prices. Negative rates also discourage the holding of cash and incentivize asset investment, particularly on the part of corporations. This could also push asset prices higher at the margin. On the other side, negative rates are going to pose challenges for the purchasing power of pensioners and the elderly who are often dependent on fixed rate income that is largely invested in government debt. With their bond portfolios under pressure from negative yields, they may be forced to reduce their consumer spending, which could have a marginally deflationary impact on consumer goods prices. It's important to reiterate that it's difficult to make predictions because negative rates are so new. When you and I were in graduate school, negative interest rates were not something we learned about in our econ courses.
1: That is true. So in a world of negative interest rates, what should investors consider for their portfolios?
0: Like we mentioned, negative rates are new and I'm not entirely clear yet on how to thrive in a negative interest rate environment over the long term. Because of all the unknowns, it may be best to pursue a strategy of diversification with a blend of real estate, stocks, commodities and cash. Multifamily syndications that use conservative debt and take an equity position in large properties are one way to passively diversify into real estate. You'll probably notice I didn't mention bonds. For our personal portfolio, I have a hard time imagining us buying negative rate bonds, even if there is an expectation of unit price appreciation.
1: Thanks, Matt. And thank you to all of our listeners. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Multifamily Economics with Matt Rose. Please leave us a review on iTunes, which will increase our visibility and help us grow.
0: If you'd like to discuss multifamily investing with me personally, please go to the Contact Us page on our website, darbyrosecapital.com. Thank you.